Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Now I want you to turn this morning to two different openings, if you would please. Two different openings. Luke chapter 10 is the first one. And Matthew chapter 6 is the second. Matthew chapter 6 is the second. Luke chapter 10 is the first one. Today I want to talk to you about priorities, about prioritizing God and prioritizing His kingdom, and really putting first things first. If we had to title this, we'd probably title it First Things First, I suppose. But this message today and what we're going to read is all about you and I learning to prioritize the kingdom of God and allow God's kingdom to infiltrate our lives on every level. Amen. Too many Christians spend time frustrated and struggling to to get through life, and often it's because we've not learned how to prioritize the kingdom of God and prioritize our relationship with Jesus uh, and, and, and recognize that if I'll do that, if you'll do that, you'll succeed. You'll have great peace in life. You'll have great joy in life. Doesn't mean that things don't, that you don't encounter challenges, but you'll know how to deal with the challenge when it gets there. Amen? If you learn to prioritize God's kingdom. So let's look first at Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to do my very best to be as brief as possible. I've got a bunch of some slides and things to show you this morning that are going to go along with this. And I think will be a help to you. But Luke chapter 10, we'll begin reading in verse 38 and we'll read down through verse 42. Luke 10, 38 says, Now it happened as they went that he, that's Jesus of course, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. It's a bad idea when you start giving Jesus directions. Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, we'll get to Matthew 6 in just a few moments, but this, this story is so profound. It's so good. It's so deep. And it's so relevant to you right now. We got a lot of Marthas. Anybody been to Martha before? I'm a, I've been to Martha. I took a... Um, Brandon introduced me about, I don't know, a year or so ago to the Enneagram test. You all ever heard of the Enneagram? I took the Enneagram and found out what my number was. I'm a two. I'm a two with a wing three. What that means is that I like to lead and I like to serve. That's one of the things I love to do is serve. And I have to imagine that Martha was a two. Because if I look at my own life, I'll find myself troubled by a lot of the same things Martha was troubled by in this passage. So maybe we're all twos. I don't know. But there's some amazing things, there's some interesting things that pop out at me in this passage. 
I want to share them with you this morning. It says that as Jesus was traveling through the countryside, they get to this city and Martha invites Jesus into the house with him, right? And this is what's amazing. This is what jumps out at me. She had a sister, verse 39. Martha invites her into the house. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet. Did you see that? Also. I have, for years that I've read this and heard this preach, have never noticed the word also. I'm going to be honest with you. When I was preparing this message, I didn't notice the word also. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. This tells me that at some point, Martha started out right. Martha and Mary sat down at Jesus' feet together. But at some point, Martha got distracted. See, if the word also wasn't there, I would just think, well, Martha was kind of dumb and Mary had her priorities straight. But no, this says that Martha, after she invited Jesus into the house, she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet. See, they both started out in the right place. But one of them got distracted. Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him, verse 40, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve? There's a handful of times in the Gospels where you read the words, do you not care? This is one of them. You want to know another one of them? When, they're in, when, the, when Jesus and the disciples are on the lake in the boat, and the Bible says the wind and the waves kick up, and the storm, and the disciples are worried they're going to die. And they say, Lord, don't you care? Do you not care that we're perishing? Just a word of advice, not part of the message. Don't ever ask Jesus if he cares. Don't ever ask Jesus if he cares. He died on the cross for you. He cares. He cares. He took the most horrific beating that any human being could have ever withstood. He took all, literally all of the sins of the entire human race, past, present, and future, upon himself and took him to the cross. We don't ever ask Jesus if he cares. <clears throat> Amen. That's just a little side note. We're going to keep going. Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve? Jesus answered and says to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Everybody say one thing. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part. Do you see that you and I have a choice in this life about what we're going to focus on? Do you see that we have a choice in this life about what our relationship with God is going to look like? Yeah. It's not just an accident. It doesn't just happen, well, this one got more faith than I did, and that one's more on fire for Jesus than I am, and poor old me. No, you and I have a choice about what our relationship with God can look like. He says, one thing is needed. There really only is one thing that you need to do. And that is to prioritize Jesus. Amen. Martha was troubled by what needed, quote unquote, needed to be done. And this caused her to be happy to trade 
her work for time with Jesus. That's the problem. Martha, if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Martha didn't realize she was being robbed. Martha didn't realize that her distraction was robbing her from intimacy with Jesus. How do I know that she was being robbed? Because Jesus clues us into that in the very next verse. He says, this one thing, verse 42, this one thing is needed and Mary has chosen that good thing and it will not be taken from her. You see that Martha's distraction was the thing that was causing her intimacy with Jesus to be taken from her. She didn't even realize it. She's hustling around, pots and pans, you know, like Thanksgiving. My mother at Thanksgiving, running, hustling, you know, put the turkey in, take the turkey out, do the stuffing, do this, get cranberry sauce everywhere. That's how we live our lives, guys. That's how so many times uh, you and I are guilty of living our lives by prioritizing all these other needs ahead of our relationship with Jesus. And what happens is when we do that, we don't realize we're being robbed. We're being robbed. Our distraction is literally stealing away from us all the things that Jesus wants to impart to us. Amen. If you don't have time for Jesus, you're in trouble. Can I be honest with you this morning? If you don't have, t- if you don't have time for the Lord, you're in trouble. You're fighting a losing battle. Boy, this is a good feel-good message, amen. Don't you feel, did you catch those goosebumps? If you and I don't have time for Christ, if we don't have time to come to church and receive, if we don't have time to, to spend time in our Bibles, if we don't have time for prayer, if we have sandwiched so much other stuff into our life that we don't have time for Christ, we're fighting a losing battle. Amen. And the enemy knows this. So what's he going to try to do? Try to do the same thing he did to Martha, distract her. Amen? What is it that steals your affection away? It's distraction. What is it that the enemy will use over and over again if he's able to? Just distraction. We live in such a distracted generation. How many of you have noticed that in your own life? I notice it in my own life. I told my wife the other day, actually, we were talking, I said, you know what, I want to do less things that involve screens in my life because I recognize my memory getting, getting influenced by the amount of time I spend glued to some screen. I notice it to my kids, with my kids. You notice it with people in the community. You notice it with people that you're around. You know, people can't focus anymore like they used to. You start talking to them, and before long, they're just off somewhere. Distraction rules the day in our society these days. And we need to combat that. Because whether we realize it or not, it's robbing from us. It's taking away from us time with the master. How many of you would rather have Jesus influence your life? Yeah? Robbed by her care and her concern for all of the stuff that Martha thought was important. Now, let's go over to Matthew chapter 6. You doing okay this morning? This is helpful. Even if it's hard, it's helpful. Amen? I don't go to the gym to be passive. 
I go to the gym to work out, man. Push myself a little bit. Let's pump some spiritual iron this morning. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse 31. Jesus talking here to the disciples about worry, about worry and the cares of this life. Verse 31, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or how shall we be clothed, what shall we wear? For after all of these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Stop right there for a second. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all the stuff that you need. He does. You know why he knows that? Well, number one, because he's God. Number two, because he created you with those needs. He created you. He knows exactly what you need. Matter of fact, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, he actually knows better and knows a more complete understanding of what you need. You and I think we understand our needs. God really knows what we need. So he's admonishing them, hey, don't worry about this stuff. Don't spend your time and all your energy and your effort engaged in just the stuff you need. For after all these things, verse 32, after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But, verse 33, it's one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible. But, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. All the, all the Martha cares, all the Thanksgiving turkey and the yams, and all the busyness of life that Martha was engaged in, her, in herself with, all of those things, if she had only taken time to spend time with Jesus, she would have realized all that other stuff will get taken care of. Don't worry about it. Don't fuss over it. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient to the day is its trouble. God knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what you need. He created us to need food and shelter and clothing and love and all the stuff that we work so, so, so hard for. See, this message I'm going to talk to you about today, this, this idea, this is an idea of grace. This is, you know what this concept is? This is how grace works in our life. When we dedicate ourselves to the pursuit of God and of his kingdom, grace kicks in and starts working all the other stuff out for us. Amen. Gentile people consume themselves with needing to answer the question, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? How are we going to be clothed? Where am I going to live? What kind of job am I going to have? Where's my kids going to go to school? What's my marriage going to look like? Where should I do this? Where should I do that? Should I be involved in this? Should I not be involved in this? Y'all have those kinds of questions? What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Jesus says, guys, y'all are acting like Gentiles. You know what a Gentile is? A Gentile is somebody who doesn't have a covenant with God. At the time this was written, a Gentile was a person that wasn't a Jew. Somebody that was outside of the family of God. 
Jesus says, hey, y'all, you with all your worries, starting to sound like a Gentile. Our, how many of you know our seeking should look different? Amen? Our seeking should look different. If, it, if the Gentiles are all out there trying to catch the wind in a bag, if they're, trying to, if they're trying to seek all these different things that they never can quite get a hold of, our seeking as believers ought to look totally different. We ought to seek something of much greater value. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does this mean? It means that I prioritize the kingdom of God. When I prioritize God and his kingdom, all the stuff that I thought I needed to strive for gets added to me. That's how grace works. Grace adds to you and it empowers you and it enables you in ways you couldn't produce on your own. Are y'all getting this this morning? Is this helping you today? When I prioritize God's kingdom, all the other stuff that I think I need to work and strive for gets added to me. Let me read this to you in the Amplified, and then I want to show you a few slides. Verse 33 in the Amplified says, But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive for his kingdom. And his righteousness. What is his righteousness? His way of doing and being right. The attitude and character of God. And all these other things will be given to you also. Man, don't you love the Amplified? Gets to the nitty gritty. The nitty gritty. Anybody ever seen Nacho Libre? The movie? Anyway. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. First and most importantly. Everybody say first... And most importantly, seek, aim at, strive for his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing, his way of being right, his attitude and his character, and all the other things will be given to you also. We say, well, what does that look like? What's this? Help me bring this down to a practical level. Now, I'm, I'm one that... I'm always consuming stuff like about personal growth. When I'm reading books and stuff, nine times out of ten, unless I'm reading like a novel or a story, I'm reading a book about some kind of personal development or growth because I think I need to grow. My wife would agree with you. Okay, She would agree. So I'm all about personal growth. I'm all about personal development. I'm all about making the most of the time that's been given to us. But there is a healthy and an unhealthy way to do that. There's a biblical and a non-biblical way of doing that. There is man's striving and there is God's grace. Amen? And we need to know the difference. Now, if you'll put number one on the screen. Can everybody see this okay? Yeah? This is the kind of model that you see a lot of times in the self-help, personal development, growth world. Anybody ever read a book that showed you something like this? I remember I read a book by a guy named Darren Hardy, and actually the book was really good, and he had, a, he had a very similar wheel to this. 
And the idea of this wheel was, look, at this is a picture, this is a snapshot of my life, okay? These are all the different areas of my life. I've categorized everything nice and neatly so that I could get a snapshot of where I'm at in life. I got financial here, I got business stuff, I got my lifestyle that I want to live, my mental health, my relationships, uh, my family life, God and church, and my physical life, and that's a pretty good, well-rounded snapshot of, of what life should look like, right? Now what the guys will tell you is that what you want to see in your life is something like this. You want to grade yourself on all these different areas, right? And you, you, you want to be as well-rounded as possible. This is what you'll see in this world of personal growth. The idea is to be well-rounded. And this is the way that the Western mindset that we live with has categorized life. Now, if you'll go to the next slide, please. This is what it tends to actually look like. Okay? This is what it tends to look like. I'm growing in one area, but I'm receding in another. I'm growing in one area, but I'm receding in another. And the goal of all these kind of development guys, these self-development guys, is, hey, you got to bring some balance to this. If this was a wheel of your life, if this was a wheel on your car, it'd be a pretty bumpy ride, right? Why? Because it's not balanced, so now the goal and the pursuit becomes for me to spend time growing in all these different areas so that I can push the boundaries and become perfectly well-balanced in all of these areas. You see this? Is this making sense to you? And so what do we do? We get ourselves all hyped up with motivation. We get excited and we start to work on stuff. I'm going to do better in my mental life. I'm going to do way better in finances. i got to grow in finances. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to try to do a little better. I'm going to spend more time with my family. And here's, here's the problem. Here's the, the, the issue. Is that when I'm doing this, I'm measuring my performance. I'm trying to create for myself a great life. And I've got God in his little lane. And Lord, I'm going to keep you in this little box over here. You, you be that slice of the pie, Lord. I, don't worry, I'll try to spend more time with you. I'll try to grow. I'm going to try to jack my, finance, my financial picture up. And so I start working really, 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 really hard to bring balance in these different areas. But there's a problem. There's a problem. Number one, we only have a certain amount of time and ability and focus, and strength. We only have so much in a day to work with. So what happens is I, I decide that I'm going to work real hard on my financial picture since that's one of these areas that's, you know, not looking so good. And so what do I do? I stop paying attention to all these other ones so I can focus on my finances. And guess who takes a hit? my relationships, my family, my time with God, physical activity, my mental state, my lifestyle, all these different areas start to recede and to get worse because I take time to focus on this one thing and so I'm neglecting other areas in my life. 
You doing good so far? Is this helping you? Don't worry, it's going to get better. Number one, we only have a certain amount of time, energy, effort, and ability, focus, and strength. Number two, at some point, one or all of these things is going to compete for my attention. Number three, my devotion to God, which I would argue is the most important slice of this pie, my devotion to God can never grow beyond a certain point. He's limited to the lane that I've given him. Now, we know that God will fill whatever you give him. God will consume whatever space and time you give to him, right? But I argue that this is not a healthy way of approaching life because it's totally dependent on the one in the middle, me. It's totally dependent on what I am going to do to fix these different areas of my life. And oh, by the way, God, I'd love for your help in my finances, but stay in your lane. Lord, I'd love your help in my family and in my marriage and my relationships, but you're stuck in your lane. I don't have time to deal with that now because i got to focus real hard on making a lot of money or i got to focus real hard on amping up my lifestyle or I've got to focus real hard on my marriage so I'll have to wait till Sunday to take God off the shelf. Y'all with me this morning? So what would it look like if I sought first the kingdom? Remember, I'm in the middle here. This whole thing's revolving around me. What would it look like if I sought first the kingdom? Now, there's a misnomer that the pie chart should look like this. Right? We see that and we go, oh yeah, that's what it should be. Nuh-uh. You know why? Because then you're not paying any attention to your job and your family and your, you follow me? You can't, Jesus can't be the whole pie. Because then, then I'm not paying attention to my family. Then I'm, not pay, then I'm just not going to work. I'm just saying, well, wait a minute. I'm just going to be a monk and live for Jesus. I'm going, to be, I'm going to become a hermit. This is what a hermit's life looks like. And you know what? It's good for him, but it's good for nobody else. This is a selfish way to live. So what does this look like now? I mean, if this is the misnomer, if this won't work because I'm abandoning my responsibilities, trust me, I've lived this. I've tried to make Jesus the whole pie. And I've seen my family get hurt as a result of it. I've watched ministries crash and burn. I've seen it in my own family, personally and beyond. I've seen ministers that all they did was care about you know, their, their ministry and their kids got neglected. I've seen in my own life and in people very close to me, people that they were so concerned about the ministry that they just tried to do that and they didn't go get a job. And so life suffered. So this can't be the answer. This can't be the answer. So what's the answer? What does it mean to seek first the kingdom? Stay with me. This is really good. Stay with me. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom? What if I took me out of the center? 
What if I put Jesus in the center? What if I put him there? Because then, if I understand pie charts correctly, and I think I do, especially since I designed this, (laughs) it's one of the perks of being a graphic designer. If I understand this correctly, instead of my relationship with God just being a slice of the pie, if Jesus becomes the hub instead of a spoke, then he is able to influence all the areas of my life. What if instead of trying to conquer life in business on my own and put God over here in his corner, what if Jesus was the center of my life and he actually began to influence my business? What if Jesus was the center of my life and he began to influence my family? What if my purpose was to seek first his kingdom and as a result, my finances and my relationships and my lifestyle and my mental state and my physical state and my business and my family and my time at church got better? Because here's the deal. Jesus, when I put him first, he doesn't cover up these areas of life and box them out. He actually begins to enhance them. Remember that I said that when God was in his own lane, when he was just a slice of the pie, my devotion to him was limited. I could not seek him and pay more attention to him than I could something else because if I only focused on Christ, then everything else in my life would suffer under the old way. But what if Jesus was at the center of everything that I did? What if seeking first the kingdom meant that when I went to work, I did it for him instead of for my boss? What if I did, what if I, what if my relationship with my family was just simply an outworking of my relationship with Jesus? What if I let my time with God and his influence in my life infiltrate all these other areas? With Jesus at the center, guys, my devotion for him is able to grow without anything else suffering. Put up that next slide. As he gets bigger in my life, he adds color to all these other places. As he gets bigger in me, he begins to expand and I can seek him and I can grow with 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 him and And before long, he will take over everything, but it'll be in a healthy way. And guess what? Everything changes as my relationship with him grows. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom? It means that the kingdom becomes the single object of your pursuit. And then when you do anything else, you do it for the purpose of the kingdom. And then that thing you're doing ends up getting blessed. You got a business, you want your business to grow? Put Jesus at the center of your life and pretty soon his influence will rub off on your business and your business will be more successful. You want Jesus, you want, you want your relationships to grow, you want your lifestyle to improve, you want your, you know, your physical activity, even something as simple as exercise. Invite Jesus into your exercise. I know that sounds silly, but it's really Bible. I mean, invite Jesus into the middle of everything that you do and watch it all begin to grow and flourish. Amen. This is what it means to seek first the kingdom. It means that the kingdom becomes 
the central premise of my life. And for me, guys, this was really helpful for my life because I realized that it wasn't just ministry and everything else, and I have to pick between ministry and everything else. I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up around ministers. My whole life has been spent around ministers. I've seen people do this very successfully, and I've seen people do it unsuccessfully. And I got caught for a long time in the trap of, it's either do ministry or do everything else. Either me pursuing God is the only thing and everything else is by itself. No, that doesn't work. Jesus has to be the hub, not just one of the spokes. Jesus has to be the center of my life. And if I'll make him the center of my life, his influence will slowly grow as my relationship with him grows. And now it's so beautiful because now I'm not restricted and limited in what I do. Because everything that I do is for him. Oh, praise God. I'm not restricted in any one thing that I do because everything that I do is for him. I can sweep the floor in my house for him. I can go close a sales call for him. I can come and preach and pastor this church for him. I can love my wife for him. I can be a good dad to my kids for him because he's the hub. He's the center. He's the middle. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. And everything else that I used to strive to try to keep balanced, he keeps balanced for me. This is a life that is fueled by grace instead of one that is fueled by sweat. Man. See, I, I used to struggle with what does it mean to seek first the kingdom? Does that, does that mean I gotta give away everything I own and move to Nepal and be a missionary? Do I need to go to the rainforest somewhere, wear a loincloth and preach Jesus to the natives? See, we've done ourselves a disservice by, by pretending that that's what it means to seek first the kingdom. No, to seek first the kingdom means you serve God by serving your community. You serve God by coming to church. You serve God by loving your spouse. You serve God by being a good parent to your kids. You serve God by going to the job. You serve God by doing all these things. It's a shift in my focus. I'm no longer ambitious for the business. I'm, I'm ambitious for God, and I know that he's going to impact my business. I'm no longer ambitious to see the church grow. I'm ambitious for God and he's going to cause the church to grow. He gets put at the center. And as he does, as my relationship with him grows, his influence in all of those areas grows as well. I believe, I believe that this is what he meant when he said, seek first the kingdom. I believe this is what he was trying to get Martha to understand, that Mary somehow understood. Martha, you're troubled with trying to improve your lifestyle. You're troubled with trying to grow in your relationships. You're troubled about a great many things, but come and sit with me for a while. Let me become the object of your affection. And all the other stuff will happen just the way it's supposed to happen. 
oftentimes we restrict the blessing of God in our lives. We miss out on keeping Jesus the center, the hub. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.